would ever thought little Morty Fishbein had grow up to look like Lawrence Taylor? I think that's something. Eddie M grew up to look like Bubba Smith. Shut up. <laughs> I'm old Eddie. Except now he appears to be a giant black man, though. Hey, Al, I'd swear that's Rod Martin, Hacksaw Reynolds, and Kenny Stabler over there. Jefferson, there's nobody over there but pink punks. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back, Married with Children fans. We are here to take a look at another episode. And Tyler, can we hurry this up? Halftime's almost over. Oh boy, I'll, I'll try, Stephen. And I was actually really worried about getting a guest for this episode. I thought to myself, "Oh man, what if Stephen actually has a life?" You don't have to worry about that. I have no life. <laughs> I'm getting one of those life alert bracelets so they can alert me when I get one. Ooh, nice, sweet. <laughs> Let you know before you die. Like, great. Woo. So, tell us about what we're going to be looking at this week. Oh, man, Steven, we are going to be looking at a great episode called The Dud Bowl, Season 9, Episode 10. This episode aired on November 13th, 1994, written by Kim Weiskopf and Michael Moy, and directed by the great Jerry Cohen. And the guest stars for this episode are quite a few, actually. We have Chuck Lefebvre as Speedy, Dean Norris as Rodent. Drew Pillsbury as Thad, Stan Avar as Jack Franklin, E.E. E. Bell as Bob Rooney, and then we have some very special guest stars, including Lawrence Taylor as Lawrence Taylor, Kenny Stabler as Kenny Stabler, John C. Reynolds as Hacksaw Reynolds, and Bubba Smith as Bubba Smith. So the title, Dud Bowl, comes from the slogan, Bud Bowl, by Budweiser. <laughs> Football fans, get ready for the battle of the century. As unbeaten Budweiser takes on undefeated Bud Light. It's Bud versus Bud Light in Bud Bowl 1. Pick up your official scorecard wherever you see this display. Hey, Bud, super idea. You see the neck on that guy? Use it to follow the action and you could win big. So get ready, get set. On January 22nd, Bud Bowl 1. This time, it's for real. I remember those. In the late 1980s, what they were were, were um, you know, when they had commercials, they would have Budweiser, their ad campaign was Bud Bowl, where Bud would face off with Bud Light, and it was beer bottles with little helmets on them. And there was a joke because in the late 80s, middle late 80s, Super Bowls, and even into the 90s, were pretty much blowouts because the best AFC team would choke in a championship game. And the NFC just ran right over them. So a lot of people would say, you know, I found the Bud Bowl more interesting than the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I, I've actually heard the term Bud Bowl. Uh, I saw it first on The Simpsons. Like, I saw many things that were before I was born. But then YouTube showed me the actual thing. And I've seen the Bud Bowl stuff inspired before. And this is so ingrained into cult American culture that even me... 
Uh, listeners, you may know, I am not a sports guy, and I'm 100% not a football guy. The only football game I watch ever is the Super Bowl, and that's more of a cultural event. And it's, uh, but when I, the Bud Bowl is a big deal, even I know it, and I know that because, Stephen, I was searching Bud Bowl in our Google Docs forums, and I couldn't find it. I'm like, oh, that's the real thing. (laughs) So it's that big. But yes, it's not Bud Bowl, we're doing the Dud Bowl. This was a pretty Dud Bowl, if you really look at it. Coming to you live from Fox this week. (laughs) Sorry, yes. I had to do it before we get sued. <laughs> well, it's going to come up anyway when uh, we have the audio segments and... I was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Who would like to say a few words on behalf of our... Dear departed teammate, Skippy. I would. Who's paying for this? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The uh, corpse of honor. (laughs) Where were we? Saying something nice about Skippy. Why don't you do it, Al? After all, you're the one that found him wedged in the bathroom stall. (laughs) Oh, all right, like I haven't suffered enough. (laughs) Skippy was a pal in our center. And he was pound for pound the... Well, he's the fattest guy I knew. (laughs) Hey, uh, Al, could you uh, hurry it up? Halftime's almost over. And in conclusion, the end. (laughs) All right, let's get a little life in here. Skippy. Yeah, what a guy, huh? Weighed 400 pounds. How can a guy let himself go that way? I don't know. <laughs> hey, guys, the game's back on. And welcome back to the Fox Game of the Week here on Fox. But before we here at Fox return you to the Fox Game of the Week, we'd like to remind you that you're watching Fox. We now return you to the Fox Game of the Week already in progress on Fox. <laughs> So we start out at the bullpen sports bar. And Tyler, when I was watching this, I kind of thought to myself, you know, I think they kind of just redid the set from that sports star in Dances with Wheezy. I thought the same thing, too. When I was reading your notes, I'm like, oh, yes. That I... It absolutely. Especially when the women drop down in cages. Uh, for some reason, that then the bar really lights up. I'm like, oh, I kept waiting for Mrs. Jefferson to come out. <laughs> well, I wasn't waiting for that. I just thought, you know, it just looks like it's rearranged a little bit. I just thought, well, they probably went back to that set and thought, well, let's change this up a little bit. And I thought, you know, it probably would have been cool if they had just kept that same sports bar set for because I think they – 
are in this sports bar at least one more one or two more times and that would have been a good continuity because even eventually they had the continuity of the nudie bar called the jiggly room i don't know if that starts this year or next year but you know it's just my thought I'm sure they were pitching that idea around, and you're right. It probably could be the reason why they were reusing this set. But, you know, you you got the nudie bar, which can serve both a bar form and an outing. I think this particular one is because they're trying to bring in all these old football losers and... The way they all, they, Stephen, they could have been here for a high school reunion. They could have been here for a birthday party. <laughs> Why are they here at this bar for the, <laughs> for the real reason? Yeah, they're just there to be there. That's oh, men. Oh, no. They're at a funeral. <laughs> oh, well, that's right. And actually, the, they start <laughs> out with singing Amazing Grace. Mm. It's a Christian hymn published in 1779 with words written in 1772 by the English poet and Anglican clergyman John Newton, who lived from 1725 to 1807. Newton wrote the words from personal experience. He, didn't, he grew up without any religious convictions, but his life path was formed by a variety of twists and coincidences. Now, a couple of interesting things that weren't in our show notes that I can add to it being the one who used to be a minister and very active in my Christian faith is that um, also John, or pardon me, uh, yeah, John Newton was also, get this, a slave trader. He eventually stopped it after his conversion. It was several years later, though. And Amazing Grace, the tune already existed. It was a German drinking song. Da, 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 I da, thought da. That. Yes, and he just inserted lyrics into it. So, <laughs> a little bit of interesting trivia there. By the way, there's a great movie called Amazing Grace. It's not about him, but it's about William Wilberforce starring, I don't know how to say his name, Ion Grufold or whatever his name is, who is Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four. But oh. he played William Wilberforce, the actual British parliamentarian. Who who's that? He hated slavery, and he finally got the slave trade banned in uh, Great Britain around 1832. I think it was. It's a pretty good movie if you can find it. Amazing Grace. Oh, is it Amazing Grace from 2006? I think that's when it came out. Uh, Iron Grufford, uh, Grufford. We are you right? Oh, Benjamin Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Smog, and Doctor Strange himself is in here. Oh, he is. I forgot about that. Of course, I. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. He plays William Pitt. You know what? Wow, I I didn't even I heard of this movie Amazing Grace, but I I it passed over my radar cuz I didn't recognize anybody, but this was before Benedict Cumberbatch was really a big thing and I really like him. So I might give this some shot. Thank you, Stephen. And listeners, definitely go check that out. Yes. Anyway, why are they singing Amazing Grace? That's because they were having a funeral. Because <laughs> Al starts out with, who would like to say a few words on behalf of our dear departed teammate Skippy? Now, we did see Skippy. He was in Boys in the Hood in um, Season 8, Episode 2. He was a mountain of a man. Al said 400 pounds. Now, according to Internet Movie Database, Skippy was Chuck Lefevre who was born September 26 in 1941. 
He died August 5th, 2009 in Willow Hills, California. And Married with Children were his, own, his only acting credits. Chuck played Speedy in this episode. So interesting that it was his, that he was mourning himself in this scene. Anyway, and then one of the other guys was Dean Norris, a future Breaking Bad star. Dean Norris? Dean Norris. I watched a lot of Breaking Bad. Who the hell was he in Breaking Bad? I don't know. Cause I never... I've only seen a couple of episodes of Breaking Bad. Really? Yeah, it oh, never... Oh, you're missing out, dude. You gotta, like... Stay... <gasps> oh, wow! Oh, man. I'm sorry, listeners. Stupid millennial Tyler should have gotten this immediately. Uh, that's Hank Schrader. He's he's the uh, stepbrother. Uh, ooh, he's the DEA guy. He's awesome. He plays, like, really good, cool cops in a lot of uh, great te- television shows nowadays. Man, that's... I didn't recognize him. By any chance, is he related to Chuck Norris? Oh... He, I think anybody with the last name Norris would claim that, so I can't verify that. <laughs> well, it's all right. I was just curious. You know, I have the same birthday as Chuck Norris, mm-hmm. March 10. You shouldn't say that so loud. He might tell you to change it. I know. I'm hoping he's okay with that. Because <laughs> if not, guess what? It'll wait, wait, March 10th, you said? Yeah, it was just last week. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was like the 10th or the 11th, because I saw it on the 11th. Um, oh, yeah, happy Happy belated birthday, by the way. Woo! Yeah, but, uh, growing like, old Chuck, sucks. <laughs> oh no, you're, you're you look great, man. But no, my March tenth, you hear it? You're just gonna have to. Move. You better find out if March 9th or March twelfth works for you better. If Chuck comes tells me to change it, I guess I'll have to. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, if I could go back thirty years in time, you know what I'd do? Buy a second pair of pants. <laughs> you no, know, I'd come up with my own little celebration in the end zone. Like the Icky Shuffler, Ernest Givens' electric slide. In fact, if I was going to name my All Bundy Dream Team, every guy on it would have to know how to party in the end zone. Like Billy White Shoes Johnson or Andre Risen, Bush Johnson, and of course, of course, me. <laughs> oh, what I wouldn't have given it just to have been able to spike the ball yeah, just one time. Yeah, but I guess I have to sell it for being on the greatest undefeated team in the city history. Hey, boy! (laughs) You guys weren't so great. Welcome back to Fox Tonight for football is what I assume they sounded like back then. (laughs) Because we are packed for the Fox Game of the Week here on Fox. Fox, 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 Fox. They weren't a big network yet, guys. (laughs) But interesting, that year was the first year they were airing NFC games. Mm -hmm. They wrestled that away from um, CBS, who had been doing covering the NFC games, and NBC would cover the AFC games. NBC kept the AFC, but Fox, they really wanted the NFC because they dominated the Super Bowl for a long time, and they wanted that NFC thing because they know the ratings would be a juggernaut for them. This was kind of worked together with uh, one of their flagship uh, series, the other being The Simpsons, but they worked with Married with Children to promote Fox on here. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it seems like that... Uh, this Sorry, Stephen. This isn't in our notes, guys, but 
I have my own little, uh, what Stephen and me are talking about is that, in case any of our listeners don't know, that Fox at this time was a very, very young network. So young that lots of people in the country didn't see it because they didn't hear it, because they didn't have the bandwidth to, pro- to shoot it out that long. Uh, Fox pretty much had two or three big things. They had The Simpsons, they had Married with Children, Married with Children first, then The Simpsons, and one of the ways they would promote themselves is to get people to understand where the hell they were watching, what they were watching, and where it was being come from. So by having Homer and Bart make fun of Fox, or Mary with Children make fun of Fox, it actually promoted awareness. It was a risky tactic that actually works, and it's an on-running joke to this day. Um, one of the things that Fox Network did to really brace, uh, get things going was dipping in to sports. Now, Stephen, you mentioned that Fox aired the Super Bowl. They didn't have, but they didn't, but you wouldn't go to Fox to watch Monday Night Football, though, right? No. Where would you watch Monday Night Football? That was ABC. ABC had Monday Night Football, but the biggest football event, the Super Bowl, Fox had that. So there's a weird connection there. And also, Fox had before that, Fox had exclusive rights to the MLB, which would piss off Simpsons fans big time because it would alter the airing of certain episodes because Simpsons would always premiere after baseball games. And baseball fans, we all know, baseball games can go way longer. They're not like football when they're over when they're over. Baseball can keep going. So it pushed episodes forward. So this was something that angered a lot of Fox Studios and executives that back and forth going, why are our episodes that we're... Our episode needs to air when it says it's supposed to air in the TV guy, but your stupid football, baseball games that go on until 10. Then we have to air it after that, but people are already going to bed and our Nielsen ratings go down. But the baseball brought in revenue. So this is a big moment for Fox, a moment where it wouldn't would be surpassed only fairly recently when it was acquired by Disney. I there's just a lot of history and if our fans want to go and check this out, this Fox is a really really fascinating network to uh, read up on. Sorry Stephen, yeah. I just have a lot of built up knowledge of this stuff by hearing it from so many parallel podcasts. <laughs> well, you're right, you know, and that's what Mary Wichon was helping them promote this new thing with the NFC. And that was a ratings juggernaut for them, and that got them into more households, essentially. Yeah, and in parallel to this, Simpsons was doing the same thing with the baseball. Many major baseball players would appear quite frequently on Simpson episodes in very convoluted ways like this. Mr. Burns would be picking a team, and Bart would be picking a team. Bart would pick Millhouse, and all of a, or, and all of a sudden... Daryl Strawberry would be walking by. Hey, is that Daryl Strawberry? Yeah, I'm going to the store. Hey, you want to be on my team? Okay. <laughs> well, that's because Fox recently acquired the likeness of MLB and also had the access. Hey, get some of your players uh, on here to help promote them. <laughs> I just love that that's happening simultaneously. And Married with Children gets football because it makes perfect sense. I think that was a little bit before, you know, that episode you were talking about. But, uh, you know, I think that got Fox in the limelight where people started to pay attention to him. And Major League Baseball thought, hey, you know, we got a new contender here. And their contract with CBS was running out. It hadn't run out yet at that time because that was around 93 or so. It was still on CBS. 
But I think within just about four or five years that Fox did wrestle or got the contract to show Major League, uh, Major League Baseball. Oh, yes. And let me be frank. Let me make sure I clarify. I don't mean to say that The Simpsons and Mario Children are doing this at the same time. Mario Children was doing this first with this episode. I... It, this shocked me, Stephen, who shows up in this episode. But like, I was like, oh, this is where the Simpsons got the idea to do this with the MLB. It's really cool. And this will continue next uh, in the next episode, A Man for No Seasons. That one I remembered more than this one. I think yeah. I was sleeping when I watched this one the first few times. So after this promo on Fox, Al makes a reference to the Icky Shuffle, which was a touchdown celebration. And it was performed by NFL fullback Albert Icky Woods. He played for the Cincinnati Bengals. After scoring a touchdown, he would shuffle his feet to the right, hold on to the football while holding the football out to the right. Then he would do do it to the left, shuffle his feet, hold the football to the left. He would do three hops, and then he would spike the football. Eventually, this led to the NFL creating a rules designating and similar moves as excessive celebration. And for a while, that was a penalty, but they took that back eventually. And then they changed it so that you can only be penalized if you taunt another player. So showboating and like doing the dance thing was still okay, though, right? Yeah, at a later time. But uh, this was around the around 1990 when that happened. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember exactly when the NFL did away with, uh, you know, celebrations like that. Now, they still had excessive celebration penalties sometimes, but it's rare. It's more, they worry more about the taunting of a defensive player. Oh. I think you and I had a conversation about this in a previous episode. Yeah, but that that makes sense. I'm just curious, Stephen, because you're the football fan here. Like, uh, so is that why, so the spi- that's why the whole spiking of the ball, that's why Al Bundy says that later and it's such a big thing. I didn't get that. I was like, wait, what? You're not allowed to spike it? I thought you do it. That I see five-year-olds spiking it. Yeah, you spike the football. And like I said, well, here's the thing. I remember seeing, I can't remember who was playing, but uh, the announcers were talking about it, how it was appropriate to penalize the offensive player because the receiver caught the ball and ran into the end zone and the defender fell while trying to tackle him. And so the receiver decided to spike the ball near the defender's head. <gasps> That's considered taunting. Was that so was that like the first offense or was that just something that people reference? No, that was the first I just remember the announcers talking about the difference between excessive the, the difference between celebration and taunting. Okay, okay. I If I that receiver it. had not spiked the ball near the defender's head, it would have been fine. But no. Mm-hmm. He was like, it's like what you said. It's like scoring a touchdown, turning around and saying, fuck you. All Damn. Right? I, okay. Wow. I take, I, I, you know what? I wasn't really clear on that. So I'm glad I asked. Thank you. Yeah. Now here's something else. The Icky shuffle has already been referenced in season eight, episode 10. The one we talked about dancing with Wheezy, one of my favorites of last season. And it was also referenced in Peggy Bowles 300. I think that was in season Four or five. I know Steve had left, so I think it might have been either late in season four or during season five. Oh, icky shuffle. I completely thought that that was something Mary with Children made up, because it sounds like it. Anyway, so Al 
talks about if he was going to name his Al Bundy team, which is kind of a parody of the All Madden team. John Madden, the great announcer, has his All Madden team and now has Madden football. But anyway, Bundy says, uh, my All Bundy team, every guy would have to know how to party in the end zone. Like Billy White Shoes Johnson, Andre Risen, Butch, and Bush Johnson. So, Tyler, would you tell us a little bit about Billy White Shoes Johnson? Oh, man. I love our notes section because I would have forgotten all this stuff. So, listeners, Billy White Shoes Johnson, born January 27th, 1952, is an American former professional football player who was a wide receiver and return specialist in the National Football League from 1974 through 1988. He was one of the first players to display elaborate celebrations in the end zone. So I take it he's it like he's just dancing and going woo and having like insane times. I bet the crowds are eating it up though. And that's it. That's why they like to do it to get the crowd into it some more. Al also references Andre Bad Moon Risen, born March eighteenth, nineteen sixty seven. Wow, that's just eight days after when I was born. A former American football wide receiver who played in the in the Indianapolis Colts actually. There were the Baltimore Colts back then. The Atlanta Falcons, Cleveland Browns, Jacksonville Jaguars, the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Oakland Raider, and even played in the Canadian Football League's Toronto Argonauts. He was selected to the Pro Bowl five times between 1990 and 93, and once again in 97. He holds an NFL record for scoring a touchdown with seven different teams. He's remembered for his life on the football field, which garnered him the nickname Bad Moon Rising from Mia sportscaster Chris Berman. I love Chris Berman. He was hilarious. He could always come up with those great names. Anyway, and then there was Michael Butch Johnson that was mentioned. He was born May 25th, 1954. He was a wide receiver in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos. He played college football at the University of California, Riverside, and was drafted in the third round, 87th overall, of the 76th draft. And he was considered one of the best backup wide receivers in the NFL. During his three-season stint with the Kansas City, Ryzen was nicknamed Spider-Man. <laughs> All right, my favorite superhero. Woo! He would often fake shooting a web like <laughs> Spider-Man after scoring a touchdown. Ryzen gave himself the nickname in part because he viewed Spider-Man as a positive character and wanted to be thought of as less of a headache and a problem. His Spider-Man nickname had been named one of the best nicknames in sports history by Bleacher Report. He's my favorite uh, football player of all time now because of that. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know why, but my second favorite superhero has always been Daredevil. Really? I, hmm. I love Daredevil because he has super hearing, super sensations on, on his skin because he he's blind. And they're so heightened, he can sense what's going on around him. You know what? I, yeah, I always did like that. Mine was always uh, Professor X. He has that ability of just always knowing what everybody's thinking around him and just has to like, he had, doesn't go crazy. He just wants to help everybody. He it, It's just a really good character. And he's got that teacher quality about him. But yeah, not a superhero podcast. I'll add one more. And he has always been my favorite Avenger. It was Captain America. And I like him because he's always trying to do the right thing. Sincerely. Yes. Yeah. He wants to do the right thing. And I think that 
you know, he just shows a lot of character. And I just, that's the kind of guy I want to be. The guy with character who always does the right thing. I don't always do the right thing, but I think that's a great thing to aspire to, you know? And uh, relation to all those uh, Infinity War and Endgame movies that came out, in the comics, the only other Avenger to hold and put on the Infinity Gauntlet and not go completely insane by the amount of power that's in there is Captain America. Yeah. He can hold Thor's hammer, and he can also hold the gauntlet. And that's because power doesn't corrupt him. I have quotes of the day in my classroom at school, and one of my favorite quotes of all time is by Abraham Lincoln. He said to truly test a man's character, give him power, and see what he does with it. Yeah. Captain America throws the gauntlet away because in his mind, he's like, finally, I have the power to bring about like everybody, bring about a world where everybody is great. And in his mind, the Mind Stone tells him, you have the power of reality. We can make them all patriotic and good. And he's tempted for one second and he realizes that's the wrong way to achieve that, rips it off and throws it on the ground. The only person to take the gauntlet off. Even Thanos couldn't do that. Like, that's just pretty cool. I agree. Like, you know what? Fuck that. Sorry, Professor X. Captain America, you're up there. That's awesome. You know, fella, there was already one funeral in here today. (laughs) Uh, Perhaps you didn't hear me. I said undefeated. You wouldn't have been if you'd played us that year. Oh, yeah? Then who are you? Jack Franklin. I was halfback. At George S. Patton High. Patton High. What's the deal with Patton High? They were the only other undefeated school in the league. We were supposed to play them for the city championship. The game got canceled. Why? Why? Because they were cheaters, that's why. They used ringers. Guys 25, 30 years old. You had guys that old. They were there, honestly, they were stupid. Well, I think you're all a bunch of pansies. Pansies? Pansies. Hey, didn't they just change Patton High's name to Jacqueline Onassis High? Yeah. Yeah, and, and isn't the team now known as the Jackie O First Lady? I say we still would have beaten you guys. And there's only one way to settle it. And that is? So this Sunday, we're going down to the park, play football, and settle this thing once and for all. Isn't that great, Peg? Everything comes to a shuddering halt when you hear the good, the bad, and the ugly theme. And let me tell you, that is one great movie. Have you ever seen that one yet? I watched, actually, I watched all of Sergio Leo's, um westerns last year um to prep for the once upon a time in hollywood and i ended up going through all the new name the no man with no name trilogy i'm about to do a rewatch because they are gorgeous amazing feats of cinema i'm just like you're spellbound and before you know it four hours went by and the theme is so recognizable 
And someone comes in, his name is Jack, and he is played by Stan Ivar. I was wondering, Tyler, can you tell us about Stan Ivar? Well, Stan Ivar was born on January 11th, 1943, in Brooklyn, New York. He's an actor known for Creature, NCIS, and Star Trek Voyager, a highly underrated Star Trek show. It's really good. Um... Not much is known about Stan Ivar. His IMBD is very smart, but I have one little piece of trivia. He owns the real little house, which is on his ranch, dismantled and waiting to be erected again. The city of Walnut Grove, Minnesota, is willing to display it on Laurel Ingalls Wilder Museum site, but it's not yet possible because Ed Friendly still owns the rights of everything about the series, and his permission is needed. So he does own uh, the, the little house from the little house on the prairie. <laughs> yeah, and you know he was trying to challenge. You know, he played Jack uh, Jack Franklin. He went to George Patton High. This may have been a nod to Tim McGinley, who in latter years of Happy Days, his character, Roger Phillips, he, who was the pr- principal of Patton High. That's obviously named for George S. Patton, you know, the general during uh, World War II. He was actually second to Eisenhower, and Patton got in trouble. He was known for getting in trouble, for ruffling feathers and going against the grain. Uh, George C. Scott played him in a movie. I saw it a long time ago. I don't remember much about it. But... Yeah, don't even bother researching Patton, guys. Just go watch the Patton movie. Uh, George C. Scott embodies the man perfectly. And Patton himself thought the portrayal was highly exaggerated, which makes me think it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, because he was a big egomaniac. Of course, most generals are. He's a fascin- Yeah, he was a fascinating individual, believed in reincarnation and uh, even slightly hinted at believing that the Roman and Greek gods were real and just like, like not as powerful as... Uh, Yahweh and everything. He's like, all religions in a way are real. The only true knowledge is uh, on the battlefield. That is where it's real. He had a very strange and fascinating character. So, interesting person to look him up. Anyway, then we talk about some lines because, you know, Polk High apparently never played uh, Patton High. Of course, Patton... High has changed its name. They changed it to Jackie Kennedy High School or something like that. And <laughs> they were known as now the uh, Pink Ladies or something like that. I can't No, remember. they're known as... Okay, oh, okay, Stephen, I'm sorry. This is a really weird joke that I only got at the end of the episode. So they are... So they were George S. Patton High, right? That was the actual name of their high school. They changed it to jackie kennedy high at some point probably after vietnam and or after kennedy was like elected and then they changed their football team because they were jackie kennedy their football team was known as the first ladies oh yeah that's right okay because jackie kennedy was one of the first first ladies and probably i think the only one to ever go back to to change her name because her 
husband was John F. Kennedy, who was assassinated, and Jackie Kennedy was still a young, vibrant, and well-to-do woman, so she married again. She married Onassis, a uh, rich Greek guy, and famously took his name, and now she was known as Jackie Onassis, or Jackie O. So if uh, millennials or Gen Zer listeners, if you ever hear of Jackie O, Jackie Onassis, or Jackie Kennedy, first lady of John F. Kennedy. So I thought Al was making a joke when he said, didn't they change your name to Onassis? No, it's actually, they did change it. It's, you don't have to change your high school name because she went back to it. I it it was a really really long delayed joke, but I appreciated it once I got it. Well, you want to know something? I completely forgot about Jackie Kennedy because of Jefferson. <laughs> I don't know if you remember in the Chicago wine party, he talked about Marcia being elected president, and Jefferson said, "Cause I'd make a great first lady." <laughs> yeah, and I'd have a big important issue like uh, no littering or uh, or nice hair for everyone. You know. <laughs> National Hair Care Centers. God, how cool. Well, I think I could do a lot of good being in bed with the president. And I really believe that if anybody could, I could make them forget about Jackie Kennedy. (laughs) And by the way, I think, uh, you know, you talked about Kennedy being shot and you think that's when they changed the name. They couldn't have changed it then because Al was in junior high school, probably, or just starting high school. He won his championship in 66 or 68. So they probably changed it after that. No, they, cha- they changed it around the. She changed her name around this year when this episode came out. Like, that was big headline. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was headline this year. News. Okay. When the. Stu- <laughs> yeah, I thought she married earlier than that. Uh, she married earlier, but she it was some horrible reporter, like, figured it out that she did legally take his name probably to you know show love and support to her new husband and they're like she throws off the thralls of the kennedy name no she's onassis and i think they're commenting on that for the Maybe. dumb reason their high school had to change their name <laughs> the next lines i love is when al talks about uh well uh, george Patton high they used ringers guys 25 30 years old and then Jack said, you had guys that old. Al re- responds with, they were there honestly. They were stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Kept repeating their senior year. <laughs> he says it with such sincerity. It's so funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they end with, or this segment ends with uh, Al saying, so this Sunday we're going down to the park, play football, and sell this thing once and for all. We're back for the kickoff of Bud Bowl 1. Bud has won the toss. They'll receive... Turn out their life! Let's kick some Bud! And we're underway. Bud takes it at the 18. Hands off to Bud! He's at the 25, 30. Caraway label! He's looking for Taylor. Make that Bud light. Move your Bud! Oh, we've got a real brouhaha. The cans are going wild! I'm out on the field. Stay tuned. We'll be back. No, Al. Great would be if you flossed. (laughs) That 
Not that the pride of watching a middle-aged shoe salesman and his friends geezer up and down a football field until they vomit dust won't be enough. But how are you going to convince anybody else to play? Yeah, that's true, Daddy. What if the other teammates have lives? I wouldn't worry about that, Pumpkin, if I were you. These guys all look up to me. Uh, not really. Not really. <laughs> and besides, the pride of the team is at stake here. Most of the guys are already here, Peg. You know, Rodent and, and, and Bob Rooney and Buster and Speedy. I even called Thad, our quarterback in California. He's flying in this morning. Dad, aren't you forgetting something? Well, I'm trying to, son, but she's sitting right there. <laughs> you meant your center, Dad. Who's big enough to replace Skippy? That, I am proud to say, is something I have thought of. Hut one, hut two. Bula bula. I gave him some of your mother's sweatpants she grew out of. And I even think I'm going to break my old record. And this time, I'm going to spike the ball. <laughs> I just hope our quarterback Thad still has his throwing arm. Ah, what am I saying? Thad's the kind of guy who never changes. <laughs> Hi, Al. It's me, Thad. <laughs> okay. Now, this next part, we start with uh, Peggy telling her opinion to Al about this whole thing. She thinks it's ridiculous. And then Bud and Kelly have to weigh in. You know, they, they kind of wonder, don't you think other people have lives? <laughs> the kids, uh, the, I'm sorry, Stephen, the, just to throw it out here, the kids are used, utilized perfectly well and just enough to give them screen time to make me remember that they're there, but not too much that they feel shoot, horned in. That's a good point because Bud serves as the referee. We'll get into that a little bit later. And the coin. Oh, yes, that's right. He was the coin. <laughs> and Kelly was the lone cheerleader for her daddy. Oh, so cute. And one of, hey, you know what? And she's like one third of the audience. So that's true. Mm -hmm. uh, they were talking about replaying the game and they wanted to. Um, and that was sponsored by Gatorade. They sponsored something called Replay about 10 years ago to do what was just done with this episode. Where wow. all teams get together and repl replay each other. Really? Yeah. Have they done and that recently? I don't know. I'd have to research that a little bit more. But hmm. you're showing where life imitates art. In all honesty, also, this this uh, episode of Mary Children reminded me of another movie called The Best of Times, starring Kurt Russell and Robin Williams. If you haven't seen that, it's kind of a fun movie because Robin Williams plays this uh, man. He's grown up, but he remembers in high school that he was a backup wide receiver and he dropped the football on a pl pass play that would have helped his team win. But he dropped it, so they lost to their rivalry. And the, and the town that he lived in was going down under. They needed to do something to boost their economy and get pride going again. And he kept pushing, you know, it's 15 years later. Why don't we have a rematch with uh, that other team? So they did. And Kurt Russell is his buddy. Kurt Russell was the quarterback who threw him the ball that he dropped. 
Oh. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty good. It's, it's a fun movie. Shit. Kurt Russell and Robin Williams, two of my favorite actors. And you know what? The way you're describing... How old is this movie? I think it was made around 1986 or 87, somewhere in there. This might be the progenitor of all television adaptations I've seen of a old bunch of like older guys who were on a football team together and some convoluted way having to get back together to play the game again. I've seen this done so many times from cartoons to sitcoms and I that sounds like the 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 or the originator of it. I'm going to have to check this out. Man, I'm getting a lot of good recommendations today. Oh, yeah, and then Bud has a great line in there. He says, Dad, aren't you forgetting about something? And Al says, I'm trying to forget about her, but she's right there, referring to Peg. <laughs> he, and Bud's just trying to get him to think about, you know, playing against these guys and again, and I just thought that line was hilarious. Al, you look just great. <laughs> Dad, you look like a freaking woman. <laughs> Dad. Peggy. You know, I thought you dropped off the face of the earth. Well, not all of me did. <laughs> I just love your dress. I mean, I just love your hair. Oh. Darling. <laughs> so, uh, what are you guys going to do with the extra cup? <laughs> I get it. That's a gag. <laughs> oh, you always were a joker. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, the ball's in my court now. I had to do it, Al. All those years, I felt like a woman trapped inside a man's body. I just got so tired of it. <laughs> we all get tired of our cars, too. We don't rip the doors off. Now, how are we going to beat the first ladies without a quarterback? Jack Franklin. What brings you to the undefeated neighborhood? We heard your quarterback is a woman. Uh. Whoa, not bad. <laughs> Can't overdid the tatas, though. That's not our quarterback. Then who is she? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sad. I'm Thor. <laughs> Still got your arm, Thad? You make the call. <laughs> Sunday, Bundy. We'll be there. With bells on. <laughs> okay, now they're waiting for Thad to show up. Oh. Who is Thad? Thad. Okay, so Thad. I was I remember Thad 
showing up at some point. I forgot it was this episode. I'm going to give props right off the bat to Mary with Children for handling something that was being done a lot in television at this point and handling it surprisingly well. From a modern 2021 stance, this depiction of a trans person, which is still not done very well and often not at all in television, this is done very, very well. It fits very well with the Marywood Children universe, and after the initial shock, which I'll get into in a minute, this character is given agency, allowed to do her thing. They refer to her as a woman, like even Al uses the correct pronouns, something that people don't do correctly nowadays. And everybody's attitudes are normal. The only thing that's abnormal is her. She looks like an SNL skit like gone bad but they are it's treated very normal i am just very proud and i think it's something that marywood children should be you know given props for so actually thad thad was the quarterback that threw uh that was the main dude in uh al's team and he was flying over from california comes uh thad's showing up at the door opens the door and Steven, I expected for some weird reason, like, Thad to be a paraplegic. Like, who couldn't, like, play the <laughs> game anymore? Uh, but no, like, when he stood there, literally, it is just a dude they grabbed, and they're like, hey, put a dress on him and a wig. He's not wearing makeup. He's not doing, like, the thing that uh, a real person would, like, a real trans person would do. It's just a guy, like, doing an SNL skit. And they're freaked out. Thad is being portrayed as you would from this time period. This is a really funny-ass joke. I My mouth did drop, Stephen, when they're like, Al believes this is a gag when he sees him like this. And after, he's, after Thad is warmly welcomed by Peggy, who just... I don't think Peggy has any kind of bias towards anybody at all, except people trying to take her man. That's it. Al is like, this is a gag. You're just... Which I would think so, too, looking at just if you showed up wearing a dress, Stephen. Like, I would think this is a gag. He legit drops to the ground and lifts (laughs) Thad's dress up. (laughs) I thought he was going to grab a titty or something. No, he pulls the dress up. And everyone's like, whoa, this is insane that to make it on TV in 1994. And I remember thinking, because this this whole segment ends with um, Al uh, with Bud saying, "Who are you gonna?" Oh no, Al saying to Bud, "What am I? Who are we gonna get to replace Thad?" The answer I said it out loud in front of my roommate. See, nowadays in a in a very progressive television show, Thad would just play, and. Thad does play like they don't even make a point to mention it. He's there later. She, you know what? They did it. Al did it. I'll do it too. She is on the, uh, on the team in her uh, uniform, uh, backing Al up like any teammate and they're just fine with it. It's, it's insanely good. And wow. Good for you. Mary with children. 
I'd still think it was done for more comedic effect as opposed to bringing up an issue like that. Oh, they didn't bring it up. Yeah, the fa- it, they brought it up by not bringing it up. And it's a very like sly way of inserting this thing in, something you could only do at that time. But the fact that they even went to do it is big props on them. Yeah, a little bit about the guy who played Thad, Drew Pillsbury. He was born September 15th, 1958. He has 49 acting credits. He has also been in the series Castle. He was in the movie Transformers Dark of the Moon. He was in uh, Nip Tuck, if you remember that TV series on FX back in the uh, 2000s. Oh, yeah. He, He was also in CSI. He's been in NYPD Blue. He's been in The Practice, Felicity. He was in JAG. And Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. Hmm. He was in. He had a guest in home appearance in Home Improvement, Grace Under Fire, and of course, Married with Children. And he was in a, uh, an episode of Baywatch, which actually is brought up a little bit later in this particular uh, episode of Married with Children. He got so to see what Pamela up and close. <laughs> yes, he did. Lucky he was man. also in the Dallas t- Dallas TV series and Mancuso FBI. If you remember, uh, that was probably maybe a little bit before your time. That was only a one season hit, though. That is something he, I've heard only the name. <laughs> mm-hmm. And finally, he's got others, but he got his start in the soap opera "The Young and the Restless" way back in 1986. Oh, nice. He's also yeah, he's also been a writer as well as a producer. We're back at the Bud Bowl, and here comes the play. Bud Light really needs a first down here. Third and short. This bud's for you, pal. 23 on blue. Quick pitch for Bud. He pitches it back to Bud. A play flicker. He's open. Touchdown. No complaints from that man. There's the patented high six. And the end of the first quarter with the score. Bud Light 7, Budweiser 3. We'll be back. How you feeling, Al? Feel good. Feel strong. Nothing can stop me today. Oh, Al! Feel bad. Feel weak. Now, honey, how long is this game going to take? And I mean long for me. Not long for you, which is about three and a half minutes. You see, Peg, the thing is, it's meant to be fun. I mean, fun for me, not fun for you, which is shouting instructions with a mouthful of crackers. And what's she doing here? I am here in support of my sister-in-arms, Thad. I hope that she wins and somehow you don't. I'm sorry, little boy. Did you lose your parents? Hey, Daddy. I have that cheer you want me to write. Finally, someone here who's on my side. Let's hear it, Pumpkin. Okay. think you weren't planned. All right, Kelly. Let's go find our seats before all the good ones are taken. I am so glad my Jefferson doesn't have to prove his manhood in this way. Where is he? At home, dyeing my shoes. 
Well, if it isn't Jerk and the Fat Man. Ready to get your ass kicked, Bundy? Nice colors, Franklin. You look like a box of good and plenty. <laughs> Let's get it on. Wait for me. <laughs> okay, Franklin. Now remember, this ain't high school. No cheating, no ringers. Same for you guys, too. All right, let's get the ref in here. Yo, ref! <sighs> okay. The coin toss, gentlemen? Ready, son. Er, bud. Er. Ref? <laughs> Where's the coin? Damn, I left my purse in the car. We can't start the game if we don't flip a coin. Call it in there. Oh, Hail. Yeah, Al, uh, Franklin comes over to Al's house, and Al says, well, if it isn't Jerk and the Fat Man, it's Jake and the Fat Man. Or that's a playoff, Jake and the Fat Man. An American crime drama TV series starring William Conrad as prosecutor J.L. Uh, Fat Man McCabe and Joe Penny as investigator Jake's. Jake Stiles. It ran on CBS for five years from uh, 1987 until 1992. And Diagnosis Murder was a spinoff series. <laughs> I thought that was a made-up thing that The Simpsons made up once. Like, Diagnosis Murder. Uh, why don't you tell us about Good and Plenty? Because Al says to the um, to Jack and, his, and the few team members that are with him, you look like a box of Good and Plenty. Finally, a reference I got, because as a good little fat boy growing up, I knew Good and Plenty as a brand of licorice candy. The candy is a narrow cylinder of sweet black licorice coated in a hard candy shell to form a capsule shape. The pieces are colored bright pink and white and presented in a purple box or bag and will rip your fillings out of your mouth if you eat them too much. Mmm, yum yum. <laughs> And then as uh, Al is walking away, Jefferson turns to him. And this is when I made that connection, uh, Stephen. Hey, Al, don't some of the first ladies seem a little big to you? Yeah, well, age will do that. You know, look at Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush it was the first lady and later first mother of the United of the United States from 1989 to 1993 as the wife of George H.W. Bush old Bush, dad of the Bush that I knew, who served as the 41st president of the United States and founder of the Barbara Bush Foundation for Family Literacy. She previously was on the second lady of the United States from 1981 to 1989. Among her six children are George Bush, George W. Bush, the 43rd president of the United States, and Jeb Bush, the 43rd governor of Florida. She and Abigail Adams are the only two women to be the wife of one of U.S. presidents and the mother of another. And it's since the fact that it took about another almost 200, more than 200 years for that to happen again, the founding fathers probably didn't like nepotency. Nepotism is how you say it. Mm-hmm. Nepotency is not a word. You know, it is not. Okay, I don't think so. Nepotism. <laughs> it's nepotism, yes. Now they're going out to have their game. Tails it is. <laughs> Real kick. 
Yeah, uh, don't uh, some of the first ladies seem a little big to you? Well, age will do that. You know, look at look at Barbara Bush. <laughs> Seeing Daddy out on the field, Bonner, like the first time you ever saw him, must be really exciting for you. Shh. Next on Oprah. <laughs> I got it! I got it! Daddy caught it, Ma! He's at the 20. He's in the 20. He's under the 20. <laughs> oh, way to block, guys. Yeah. We thought you were gonna go all the way. Your helmet did. Thank you. Al, I'm telling you, there's something wrong. I don't think these are the first ladies. Of course they're the first ladies. Who the hell else would they be? Uh, excuse me. Anybody here lose a Super Bowl ring? <laughs> excuse me, sir. I lost one. <laughs> All right now, boys, remember. The honor of Poke is at stake here. And besides, we can't let our fans down. Al, it's cold. We're gonna go home, okay? Peg, we're trying to huddle here. You never want to huddle with me. Well, put a helmet and a face mask on and we'll talk about it. All right, the hell with our fans. This one's for us and, uh, and Baywatch's Pamela Anderson. <laughs> No, that awesome, awesome jab on Peggy. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> there's a, listeners, there's a whole, just, we'll probably get the clip in, hopefully, Stephen. Yeah, we will. It's a great jab. It's so brutal. Um, like, at one point later on, Peggy comes up and tells Al that she's going to leave before the game's over. And Al turns to her and goes, like, Peg, we're trying to huddle. Oh, Al, you never want to huddle with me. And he looks right at her and goes, we'll put a helmet and a face mask on and we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he just walks away. He doesn't even let it sit. He just walks away. It's so hurtful. Yeah. Okay, but segment seven, the beginning of the football game. Mm-hmm. Um, so Al goes. Oh, wait a minute. Guys, I forgot. I was going to mention a, an error I saw in this one. They're trying to replay an old high school football game. Well, when I saw the clock start, it was starting, it was like 14, 15 minutes, you know, because that's the length of a quarter in the NFL. However, high school football games quarters are only 12 minutes. And Al is a 50-year-old woman shoe salesman, Stephen. I don't think they care. <laughs> Probably not. I just noticed that mistake. And then They're on yeah. an actual football field. That's as best as they're going to do. <laughs> then they mention that this is one for us and Baywatch's Pamela Anderson. Oh, boy. You got to tell us about Pamela Anderson. Oh, I absolutely will. Pamela Denise Anderson Rock. Sorry, she should have married him. <laughs> um, born July 1st, 1967. Ooh, I didn't know she was that old. Is a Canadian-American actress, model, and animal rights 
activist. Anderson is best known for her appearances in Playboy magazine and for her work on the television series Home Improvement, Baywatch, and VIP, and also the voice of a full season of the show Stripperella. I think I remember that. Uh, Oh, if you don't, if you want a refresher, I got the whole first season uh, and only season, Stephen. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's it's got some chuckle dick quality to it. Like. Yeah, I, I think I do remember that it was animated, right? Oh, very animated. <laughs> That's okay. I remember it then, but I don't. Anyway. I might watch yeah, it. Don't watch don't watch it at work. Okay. <laughs> so. Oh, I won't do that. I don't watch TV at work. So oh, Okay, good, good. I do, and uh I gotta watch it with Mary with children sometimes. Um but yeah, no, Pamela Anderson, um for some of our younger listeners, um Pam Anderson was a Playboy bunny, as we as we mentioned. She was a model, she was a very buxom lady and blonde hair and really striking face like she was flat out gorgeous and still was and still is today she also unlike many of her other co-workers in the uh female body uh image kind of look she figured out how to brand herself very very well and through home working on home improvement where she stopped being a uh, recurring character introducing Tim the Toolman Taylor she went on to actually be a producer of that show and uh, through work with uh, Tim Allen and other people like realized that's where the future is and she now has her own like you know her own personal brand label and she was a very innovator in, in that field and uh and she is a very, very big animal rights activist. She literally gives like millions a year out of her own pocket to the Humane Society and stuff like that. So actually, I know I remember her being the first tool girl on Home Improvement. Debbie Dunning being the second one, and both of those two girls have been on a Married with Children episode. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, they probably walked off one set and onto the other. Like, yeah, <laughs> and actually, Anderson um, yeah. Anderson left. Um, left a home improvement because Baywatch restarted and she had to do that. And that's mm-hmm. when, and, and continued producing while also shooting Baywatch. So she was shooting Baywatch and also, uh, first she did like producing for like no pay to see how well she could do it. And she knew the show very well and get the actors and buddy to work so well that they brought her on as an actual contractor. So she was get both in the screen actors guild and in the producing guild same time. So good for her. Yes. Pamela Anderson. Awesome lady. And not only that, she also appeared in the episode Al with Kelly and route six, six part two as one of Al's fantasy girls. Jumping on that bed. Ugh. Like I said, she had been in a in an episode of Married with Children. Or at least two. Or two. I, yeah. yeah, and I was going to tack on to what you said by what episodes they were. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And then we did kind of miss uh, Bud's uh, debut. And I love how Al uh, talks to him. He, you know, when Bud walks up and Al calls him son, I mean Bud, I mean 
someone I don't know, something like that. Because he doesn't want the other team to think, oh, I've rigged this thing. And the problem is they don't have a coin <laughs> to flip. Bud asked them for a coin. And Bud is pretty dumb at this point because where's a football player going to put a coin? <laughs> oh, I thought it was – I thought he was going to say – okay, that's funny. Uh, and, yes, and Thad left her purse in the car. I get yeah. it. But, like um, – no, no, like – I thought it was Bud was dumb because he literally was like, hey, what are you going to do with that pie, clown? It's like, Dad, we got to flip something. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it's going to be? <laughs> like, it's and the setup and the pitch. Like, it's just so great. Now we go into the next uh, segment here. We're back. Seconds left in the half. Budweiser ball on the Bud Light six. Looks like fourth and inches. And they'll bring on the field goal unit. Hold on. They're bringing in. Look out. Oh, no. It's the freezer. Big gamble on fourth down by Bud. They give it to the freezer. Touchdown. And that's the end of the half. The score, Budweiser 10, Bud Light 7. We'll be back. Hey, number 56. You don't look like Morty Fishbein. Well, I am, you schmuck. Who <laughs> would ever thought little Morty Fishbein had grew up to look like Lawrence Taylor? I think that's something. Eddie M grew up to look like Bubba Smith. Shut up. Same old Eddie. Except now he appears to be a giant black man, though. Yeah. I'd swear that's Rod Martin, Hacksaw Reynolds, and Kenny Stabler over there. Jefferson, there's nobody over there but pink punks. And what do Poke High Panthers do to pink punks? Polarize the Powder Puffs! That's right. And this is where it gets really interesting. Because after they break the huddle, the player, uh, Al's players are commenting, who'd ever think that Morty Fishbein would grow up to look like Lawrence Taylor? Think that's something Eddie Yim grew up to look like Bubba Smith? I'd swear that's Rod Martin. Hacksaw Reynolds and Kenny Stabler over there. Jefferson, there's nobody over there but pink punks. In other words, they do have some ringers there. And what a Polkai Polks do to pink punks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm amazed they got that all out. That made me belly laugh out loud when they said it all. Uh, I must say something. I forgot to mention this about Jefferson. You know, they're, they're trying to get him to be the center since Skippy died. And because Skippy was the center. And so they, you know, make him fatter. And like, and I'm thinking, why would you do that? You're going to limit his ability to move as a center. So anyway, that's just me. But let's talk about these players. First, there's Lawrence Julius Taylor, born February 4th, 1959, nicknamed LT, an American former football player. He played his entire professional career as a linebacker for the New York Giants. He is considered one of the greatest players of American football and has been ranked as the greatest defensive player in league history by former players, coaches, media members, and news outlets, such as the NFL Network and the Sporting News. It was after his. It was about the time of his career they started recording sacks on the quarterback. You know, they were just never recorded as an official stat until about him. And he was also the one. I don't know if you've ever seen this on a Monday Night Football game, and I remember seeing this as a kid. He broke uh, Joe Theismann's leg. It. Oh, that was him. Yeah, that was him. 
And after he tackled him and he saw what happened, it was an open fracture, which means the I think it was the tibia that was broken was sticking out of his leg. And Taylor was just, uh, he was yelling for medics to get out there to help him. And huh. so he did, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to tackle you, but I hurt you. Oh, my God, I need to get help for this guy. So that tells you a lot about his character there. Yes, I'm a man who literally shatters people mm-hmm. when I run into them like so, well, Stephen, um, after that nice information of leg terror the fuck up Lawrence Johnson, <laughs> Ta- Julius Taylor, um, we're going to move on to my favorite football player, Charles Aaron Bubba Smith, February twenty, born February 28th, 1945, sadly passed away August 3rd, 2011 was an American professional football player who starred as a defensive end in both college and the NFL before becoming an actor following his retirement from the sport. During his acting career, Smith specialized in comedic roles in films, television, and television advertising. For about a decade following his retirement from football, he appeared in various commercials for Miller Lite. His best-known role was as Moses Hightower in the first six Police Academy movies, haven't seen a single one of them. It was his second appearance on Married with Children. And I almost 100% sure, Stephen, his second, his first appearance was, oh, wait, nope, nope. That's, that's somebody else. Who Do you know it? Yes. He Who played spare, spare tire Dixon in all night security, dude. Oh, wait, no, that was him. Oh, sweet. Oh, crap. I should have just went with my gut. All right, sweet. I could have sworn that was somebody else. And that was my favorite appearance with him because, you know, he and Ed O'Neill, their little interaction. Should have been mine, Bundy. Headline should have read, spare tire, crushes unidentified white man at goal line. (laughs) I was supposed to play college ball, but it never happened. You know why? Too stupid? It was because after that game, I fell into a deep depression. And I turned where too many kids before me turned to drown their sorrows. Pie. (laughs) Come trials, I could no longer get in a three-point stance unless there was a pie on the floor. (laughs) My career was over. You stole the glory that should have been mine. I had a little bit of glory, yeah, but you had pie. And I haven't eaten in 19 years. I can hear him in my head. Yeah, and then they had that clash. Well, the Chariots of Fire, the Chariots of Fire music, and the way they they combat each other, you know, like the the Three Stooges, he he tries to poke Al in the eye with his fingers, and Al blocks it, and then... It's so great. (laughs) Al bites his arm, and uh, it's in my top ten. That's number ten of my top ten favorite episodes. I might watch it after we finish recording tonight. Like that has one of my favorite scenes of Al is that whole dun 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 dun. dun while he's walking out swinging, <laughs> and he calls himself security dude, <laughs> and you hear the audience go, "Yeah, that's my man!" And while they're analyzing him, he falls <laughs> spectacularly to his knees and just. I've done that so much. Is this my life? Is this where I? Is this how? I, where I become? Is this the end? Oh man! I do that at least once a night at work. Like, <laughs> well, at least you're not selling women's shoes, you know. 
<laughs> or an all-night security guard in a mall. <laughs> like, it's just... Oh. oh, God. That was great. So, yeah, Bubba Smith, who is appar- who's apparently faking how out of shape he was because he's going to give a pounding to Al and his friends t- today. Um, but besides uh, my go- our good old spare tire, Bubba Smith... Um, Here's a, who else we got, Stephen? Roderick Daryl Martin, born April 7th, 1954, a retired NFL league linebacker who played for the Oakland Raiders and the Los Angeles Raiders from 1977 to 1988. He is best known for his record three interceptions in Super Bowl 15, which put him on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Mm. Well, that's pretty impressive, but man. We've also got Jack Hacksaw Reynolds, born November 22nd, 1947, is an American former football player who played for the University of Tennessee and started out as a fullback and changed to a linebacker. I yeah, Is a fullback and a linebacker similar? No, fullback is on the offense, linebacker is on the defense. No, oh, he went from offense to defense. Okay, see? I'm glad you're here. He was a first-round draft pick by the Los Angeles Rams in the 1970 NFL draft and played there 11 years before going to the San Francisco 49ers in 1981. He played with the Niners four more years and won two Super Bowls with them, Super Bowl 26 and Super Bowl oh, 29. Shit, I hate Roman Nuvo. I hate Roman numerals. Okay. Or no, that, no, wait, 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 wait. That's Super Bowl 16 and Super Bowl um, 19. Wait. X is oh, 10, V is know, 5. You know what? Uh, he uh, he won two Super Bowls with them, Super Bowl XVI and Super Bowl XIX. Figure it out, listeners. He wore the number 64 throughout his career. He played in a total of 13 postseason games. Wow. What a record. And then there's one more, Kenneth Michael Stabler. He was born on Christmas Day, 1945. He died July 8, 2015. Nicknamed the Snake, was an American football quarterback in the NFL for the Oakland Raiders from 1970 to 1979. I loved watching him play. I'm a big Dallas fan. Back in the 70s and 80s, my second favorite team were the Raiders. I always loved watching the Raiders. They played vicious and they played vicious, hard football. He also played for the Houston Oilers and the New Orleans Saints. He played college ball for the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Stabler quarterbacked the Raiders to victory in Super Bowl VI and was the 1974 MVP and was selected as a quarterback for the, 19, for the NFL 1970s All-Decade team. He was posthumously elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2016. In other words, he didn't get in in his lifetime, but he did deserve it. And one thing I've noticed, you know, let's see here, 45, 47, 54, 45. These are old dudes. Yeah, 59. I mean, even, you know, when they're making this in 1994, they're well into their late 40s and early 50s. And only until they took their helmets off, specifically with, uh, who's the white guy with with the hair? With the that's white hair. That's Stabler. That's Stabler. Okay, that's Stabler. That's what I thought. Like with with maybe with only Stabler, when they took their helmets off, I'm like, oh shit, these are like old dudes, but they're built like brick shit houses. Like, mm-hmm. damn. Um, but I gotta ask though, so Stephen, um, I've been hearing the the name Raiders, 
Uh, so Oakland, where is Oakland? Oakland is across the bay in San Francisco. Okay, so they're both California. So yeah. uh, uh, Raiders are a Californian team completely then. Well, they were. So, they started in Oakland when they first got going. And that was back in okay. the 60s when they were still the AFL. Back in the in the early 60s, the AFL formed as a competitor for the NFL. The NFL was the first one, yes. Yeah, the National Football League is the oldest. The AFL came in to compete, and they were more for passing and more for exciting football. And Al Davis was the owner of the Raiders. And then in 66, the two, te- the two leagues merged into one and became the National Football League. And so for a time, there was the NFL and the AFL. So you could have the Oakland Raiders NFL and the Oakland Raiders AFL? No, no, no. The Raiders were part of the American Football League. Once the American Football League merged with the National Football League, the Raiders were in the division called the AFC, and the NFL was typically in the NFC. Now, some NFL teams did go to the AFC. It was Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and, um, oh, God, I can't think of the others all of a sudden. But What is the AFC? Yeah, the AFC are the former AFL teams. Uh, so I... I- I don't know any of this stuff, Stephen. I'm just curious. Um, so, like, so like the AFC, if they merged, so they merged, but they they still kept their sec their uh, their separate identities. Yeah, for the most part, yes. Okay. Because I, and I, you I, see, when they merged, then they had the first Super Bowl to decide who was the best. And something interesting about the Raiders is uh, owner Al Davis. He was against this merger from day one. He did not want to merge. Oh. Yeah. So then we have the the next segment. Let's rock. Oh, yeah. Because, it, real quick, just to let you know, Al's team is just getting slaughtered because of all these ringers. I think at one point, it was 91 to nothing. We're back, and we've got a wild one brewing here at Bud Bowl. Third and long for Budweiser. Shotgun formation. Beachwood back, split wide. Yeah, 19! <laughs> Play action. He's going deep for Bud. Tipped. Tipped again. Intercepted. What a grab by the I see that again. Watch how the free safety fakes a blitz. Says, oh no, turns around, goes back, they straight out the linebacker. Oh, perfect read. Uh-huh. And that's the end of a seesaw third quarter with the score Bud Light 21, Budweiser 17. We'll be back. Let's rock.
Had enough, Bundy? I have not. Neither am I. Who said that? <laughs> okay. Now we got to see all those wonderful plays that were going on that, uh, God, that were so hard to watch. One, well, You think those were stuntmen, Steve? Oh, or, yeah. Or did Ed O'Neill actually take it from, like, these guys? That is insane. Those would be, that would be so painful. Oh. Yeah, but, like, uh, I'm sure some of them were uh, stuntmen, even for some of the, uh, you know, guest stars on there, because... Considering how old they are, I don't think they probably could have done some of that stuff still. Things that stuck out to me, I loved it when Bud made a signal for, I forgot what it was, for like a first down or something, and then he crosses himself. It's kind of like he's worried about his dad. <laughs> and then... Yeah. Yeah. And then Al gets clothesline. That's when you uh, drape your arm across and like clothesline someone across the neck. That's actually... A penalty. That's a 15-yard uh, personal foul penalty on the NFL and the collegiate level. And I know it's not kosher for high school football either. That could kill somebody. It could, yeah. Especially <laughs> these guys is tough. Like, ugh. And football was very brutal back then because they had um, some rules. Or now they have some rules against some things like uh, leading in with your helmet and... Grabbing the mask. Yeah, a, and a collarbone tackle. That's when you grab the inside of their shoulder pads and drag them down. That's a very dangerous move. But back then, that wasn't uh, a penalty, but now it is. To give you an yeah, idea. this isn't wrestling. It's football. Like, whew. Yeah. And to give you an idea of what football does to the human body, uh, watch a movie called North Dallas 40. It stars Nick Nolte and Mac Davis. And... There's this scene in there where Nick Nolte, he's a receiver for this North Dallas uh, football team, fictional football team. It's based on a book by Peter Gent, an actual player, former player of the Dallas Cowboys. But one morning after a game, he's up and he's like twisting his shoulders and twisting his back and his knees and his ankles. And you can hear him popping back into place. That's very accurate about what happens to a football player. And I don't know if you – so that's called North Dallas 40. And check out uh, – I think it's called Concussion. has Will Smith in it. Have heard about that? I've seen that yeah. one. Yeah. It talks about the brutality of what can happen to a football player with concussions. I probably have at least three, come to think of it. And for our um... – since we're throwing off uh, good awareness to you know what football does to the body, there's a South Park episode that does it very well too. I believe it's called Sarcastiball, <laughs> where um, Randy is just pissed off the because they recently public schools outlawed um, the kickoff. Uh, from high school or middle school or junior football, because that was the the NFL considered that was the leading cause of concussions what happened during the kickoffs, and they're like, oh, we're gonna all our kids are gonna be all so sad and blah blah blah, and they're they're gonna be little wussies. While that's happening, South Park interlays actual interviews that were had with football players that these interviews I guess were covered up but they reenacted them very well where these football players 
couldn't really remember who they were or had trouble like standing up and moving right. And the NFL just goes to hush all that stuff up rather than actually pay for the health and cost and care for its players. It was not really showing that football was dangerous. Everyone knows that. It was more like South Park going, the NFL is not taking care of their legacy players. No, they're not. And the, they're, they are and not. What it, and what all the money that they made off of them and everything like that and what the game did to them at the end of their lives. Like, ugh. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Iron Mike Haynes in the movie Concussion. He really mm-hmm. did. That was actually true. That's what happened to him. I, I, I was I was wondering what happened to him. And then I remember, then I saw that movie and I thought, oh my God, I never knew that's what was going on in his life. But those NFL players, you know, you can't do an examination of your brain. So a lot of NFL players were shooting themselves in the chest to kill themselves instead of in their head because they wanted their brain examined to show that the NFL is not taking care of these players when they know damn well that um, helmets um, or that uh, concussions happen. You know, my stepdad and my brother, one night we were having dinner a few Christmases ago, and and shortly after that movie came out, Concussion, and my stepdad says, I have the perfect remedy. Get rid of the face mask on the helmet. Did you know the face masks were not always on helmets? Yeah, they became standard in the mid to late 60s. And it was then when players started to use the helmet as a weapon instead of protective gear. And the smashing your heads together. Yeah, stuff like going that. for the hit. And, you know, that's why you can't lead in lead in with your helmet. Uh, something I do, pardon me, I teach at a high school, a freshman at school. I've been driving buses for ages. And so I told some of the coaches, hey, you need me to drive? I can drive drive you to a a game if you need me to and so i do it for the freshman football team and the freshman soccer team i got a few trips coming up here soon and i got freshman basketball team well it was just a few years ago i remember driving the the freshman team up to owasso it's a near nearby uh tulsa community and i saw a player one of our players uh, they're called the union Actually, I was about to say Redskins, but they're changing their name, too. Probably to the Bison, I hope. But anyway, this uh, one union student uh, was doing a down and in pattern, a post pattern. And that's like to catch it, to catch a pass. He slipped and fell. All he did was slip and fall. He did not catch the ball. He was not hit by another student. That fall produced a concussion. Wow. Mm-hmm. Just a slip and a fall. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, it's something I could do just walking out of my house. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you may not even know you even have the concussion. You may not, no. Like I said, I probably have at least three, because I can think of three vicious hits I took, one in junior high and two in high school, and I would not be surprised. And I worked in another district about 15 years ago called Midway. It's a small district here in Oklahoma. And I recall one of the players there, uh, he was the librarian's son, and I don't want to say his name out loud, but uh, when he also did rodeo and he got kicked in the head by a horse, uh, like when he was a freshman, that gave him a concussion. Then he got sacked really hard one night at a game and he has a second concussion. And these are major concussions, by the way. The thing is, his mother and his dad were okay with him playing football his junior year, even though he already had two major concussions. 
and he wasn't even at 16. They knew about these concussions, too. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people may not even know what a concussion is. Well, I'm sure they do. It's when it's mm, a head believe injury. Believe it or not, a lot of people don't. Yeah. Well, they probably have too many concussions themselves. Oh. But that's when mm. your skull uh, comes in and, uh, you know, it's kind of broken in a little bit and it impacts the brain. Sometimes the skull doesn't even need to be fractured or cracked. What can happen is the brain just sloshes inside and will slam up against the skull. And I think those are called internal concussions, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Most common. Yeah. Yeah. That's what football does to the body. It's a real brutal sport. I don't regret. Not, I do not regret playing it. I enjoyed it. Made some good friends there. But there were some dangers and I was willing to take them. And there's dangers in other sports, too. My favorite was baseball. I'm paying the price because I used to be a catcher. And now my knees are, for the lack of a better word, shit. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. The baseball fucking needs up big time. Uh, that could, And you know what? Body injuries and stuff like that comes with all sports, but specifically football, because it's the most contacted team sport that America has. And hockey. Itch. Yeah, good point. Okay, yeah. Yeah, hockey's worse. They got No, I was just saying hockey and hockey. Football and yeah, hockey. And hockey. Yeah, and hockey. I always forget hockey. I think of that as a Canadian sport for some reason. Um, um, but like, but basically, football—that's the one that most people are be playing it and replicating it, and outside of the NFL and everything. And it should be like warned, and the NFL absolutely should be taking better care of their players. Definitely, yes. But yeah. Well, let's move on here because then we're going to go on to the next segment. Come on, okay. Look, Al, I may not know anything about the first ladies, but I know a ringer when I see one. (laughs) And you, sir, are a ringer. (laughs) Bubba. Oh, no. So, just going out for some milk, huh? Well, the snake, LT, and Hacksaw were going to play. If I didn't play, they'd call me a sissy and give me the business. Holy moly, here come the wives. Talking about your fearsome foursome. Well? Baby, have I told you lately how pretty your eyes look? Oh, really? And what color would they be? (laughs) (laughs) So you are Lawrence Taylor. And you are Kenny Stabler. And you are Hacksaw Reynolds. And you are Rod Martin. And you are... <laughs> Eddie Yim. <laughs> Franklin! You cheating pink weenie. So you did use ringers. Like we needed them. You guys couldn't score with your own wives. And we're proud of that. You can't score on you. New game. Sudden death. And I don't care if it takes all night. Uh, excuse me, Dad. Your permit for the field runs out in 10 minutes. And I don't care if it takes 10 minutes. It's just nine more than I need. I don't personally score on you. I will dance totally nude at the sports bar in front of everybody. Except Fad. And, uh, the wife. 
both win. Now we're going over to the sidelines where the George S. Patton, I mean the uh, Jackie Kennedy High School players are. Oh, NASA. All of a sudden, their wives start showing up. Now, just to let you know, these women are are not the players' wives. These are actresses portraying their wives. What? They're not? No. I thought they were. No, nope. <laughs> they are not their wives. None of them. I, I guess they didn't want to be on there, the wives or... Oh, maybe the wives truly didn't know where their husbands were that day. <laughs> That's a good one. I never thought of that. <laughs> oh, man. There was a, a line in there when the players see their wives coming. Oh, no, it's the fearsome foursome. That's actually refers to the offensive line of some following teams during their time. Like it was referred to the New York Giants back around the 19, late 1950s. Then it was referred to the San Diego Chargers in the early 60s, and then the Detroit Lions in the late 60s, and then the L.A. Rams through pretty much all of the uh, 1970s. And that was the fearsome foursome I was aware of because I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Oh, I thought it was uh, referencing the fearsome foursome from Earth 616 and Marvel Comics 1962. Huh. No, it's not referring to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's more likely referring to the football thing. <laughs> yeah. The fearsome foursome. I don't know if Marvel got that from in the NFL or the NFL got that from Marvel, but I think it's pretty much the NFL started it because, you know, back in, the, I think it was back in the 50s when the Giants called themselves the fearsome, or the Giants were referred to as the fearsome foursome defensive line. There's a great line in here. Franklin tells uh, Al, you guys can score with your wives. And Al says, and we're proud of that. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, that's so great. Yeah, I, I laughed when he's like, you couldn't score with your wives. And he's like, Al should have been like, you got to teach me how. Like, no. <laughs> did they? I like that they don't explain how Franklin did this. Yeah. Because, like, how did he get all these football players? He's just like, well, of course I did. They're ringers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't even need him. I got him anyway. <laughs> but but Al decides to um, to play even if it takes all night. Unless. Well, he only had the field for 10 more minutes. But it tells him. <laughs> even if I have to play for 10 more minutes. <laughs> and that's one more minute than I need. Oh, that should have been my opener line. That was a cool line. Oh. It, it's too bad that Peg and uh, Marcy and uh, Kelly left because Peg could have had a great line. Ten minutes. <laughs> he doesn't need ten minutes. He only needs one. <laughs> something like that. Can't even make it ten seconds. <laughs> yeah. Like... yeah, something like that. Uh, just a missed opportunity on the riders. Oh. Nah, no, nah, no. Nah. I like Al's line and Peg's delivery before. Like we should mention. Al tries to say in their last huddle before the big reveal that, like, we got to do it for the fans. We can't let them down. And literally jump cut to Peggy and Marcy and, and Kelly going, Al, we're cold. We're going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Wrapping it up. Oh, uh, but wait a minute. Yeah, wait a minute. Remember, Al tells uh, Jack, if I don't personally score on you, I will dance totally nude at the sports bar in front of everybody except that and the wife. Oh, yeah, and because they're going into sudden death. Seconds left in the Bud Bowl. This is what it's all about. Tied at 24. But it all rests on this bear's shoulders. Butsky, it's all yours. Oh, Butsky! Oh, 
Who says kickers don't earn their money? The kick is up. It's good! In a storybook finish. Budweiser 27, Bud Light 24. Wait till next year. throws a great pass to Al. He runs down the field and he spikes the ball like he wanted to. There's only one problem. He's at the five-yard line. How the hell did he not know that he was at the five-yard line? And I kind of wonder if this was like a a play on a a Dallas Cowboy named Leon Lett. Uh, Cowboys are my favorite team. It was a Thanksgiving game in 1993 against the Miami Dolphins. And Leon Lett, no, that wasn't it. Uh, That was a different thing. I forgot what the game was, but Leon Lett is running a touchdown. It was in the Super Bowl. That was It was against the Buffalo Bills in 93. But Leon Lett recovered a fumble. He ran it down the, the, the field, and he was holding out the ball like showboating. He was at the five-yard line, and the Buffalo Bill knocked it out of his hands at the last second. And You lose football then. Like, you, you, you don't get to play football anymore. Then I know where the fucking touchdown line is like <laughs> that's the one thing i could tell you i could tell you where they need to pass yeah leon let was known for doing stupid things like that he had a name at dallas it was called leon letdown <laughs> oh shit but anyway then that's... then all the all the um first ladies are approaching and they just bury him at the five yard line oh my god you know that probably was a perfect reference to that but you know i agree with you steven that they should have just done what my brain did because it it wiped that piece out of my head i literally had in my memory oh al makes this bet cut to the bar because of course he's gonna lose he's al bundy if you're gonna show him lose show him lose realistically like have i don't know have have one of the players throw something at him or something like that i don't know just don't have him in you're right how did he not know he was at the 5 yard line al bundy knows football that's all he knows that pissed me off i hated that i remembered that i thought <laughs> i saw a mistake there but i, I believe it or not i ran it super slow mo i was feeling like i was doing a video replay like they do now on really close calls because I thought I counted more than 11 players on the um, first lady's side. But no, it was 11 people tackling him. Did you know the NFL team can only have 11 players on the field? Or any football team? I'd, wait, 11 players 
per team or 11 players total? No, 11 players for each side. 11 players for offense, 11 players for defense. I did not know the number was 11. I knew it had to be a specific amount because the formation always looks equal. Yeah, there are always 11 defenders and 11 offensive members. And the thing is, since... Since the uh, first ladies were all coming towards him, I I had to slow it down. I thought, wait a minute, that looks like it looked like twelve people to me at one point. But I slowed it down very carefully, and so the replay was confirmed by the booth. Is how they would put it in the NFL if they someone wants to challenge a, a call. Yeah, can I just say right up front? Uh, I should have mentioned it earlier. I love the first ladies. That's an awesome like uh <laughs> football team to just have like the idea to have these big hulking dudes in pink jerseys where the first ladies get out of the way and like they, they each have like a different like president's uh wife like hooked onto there i i don't know that's a fun concept and they actually they, they it's not there's no joke about it they wear it with pride it's <laughs> You know, there was one thing I left out from earlier that the first hint that these guys were ringers when, when, was when Bud found a Super Bowl ring and he says, who lost their Super Bowl ring? And one of them raised their hand, uh, it's mine. And he's trying to get it out of sight. And, and I just thought that was that hilarious. Was, <laughs> and that was Stabler, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe he dropped his Super Bowl six ring. Yeah, from the Raiders. I'm learning. What is it with you football guys? You pound on each other, you abuse your own bodies. Why do you do it? It's a man's thing. Uh, Commitment to excellence. And it gets you out of the house. (laughs) But most of all, we do it for pride. But um, there's also one more thing, one more little thing about Thad, because he said Al says he will dance naked in front of everybody, uh-huh. except except Peg and Thad. He, in his own Al Bundy way, is being very respectful to Thad. Thad now can't see him naked. All the men can, because he don't care about that. Thad's now a woman like the wife, and he can't can't let that see. Can't let can't let that see now. I don't know. It's a nice endorsement to, to Thad's choice. Well, Thad didn't want to see him naked. He made it clear. <laughs> oh, but does he? And here's the thing. If he got buried by 11 players, how is he able to be in the bar and do a dance? He, you'd think he'd be in traction or something. He Bugs Bunny styled, yeah. put his thumb in his mouth and blew until he popped back up. Because isn't there like an indent in the field? When Kelly's doing doing the announcement, she said, okay, he's at the 20, he's on the 20, he's under the 20. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> Referring to the 20-yard line. We're at that last bar scene, and Al is kind of hesitant to take things off, and that's how the episode ends. That turns and starts offering money. 
you know what? It's different. It like is if Al just you know what? I understand that she's probably like you know what? If, if Al just started stripping in front of me, I'd be like Al, cover up. I don't want to see that. But if the guy's doing a dance and just you know showing his thing, be rude not to. Now now it's a performance. That's something different. <laughs> I've heard women actually say that about seeing male strippers. They're like. It's not, yeah, I mean, it's not the naked body, it's the performance, it's it's hotter, and I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I make money stripping. Actually, it's kind of reverse stripping. Uh, women pay me to keep my clothes on. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Ladies, so, who will pay, who will give me 10 bucks to take my pants off? I'll give you 20 to not take them. There's an old Marx Brothers routine, I always think. You know, when I mention that to people, I think of an old Marx Brother routine. When Chico comes in, he starts playing the piano. Groucho says, what are you doing here? And Chico says, well, I'm being paid $10 an hour to, uh, or I'm being paid uh, $5 an hour to play the piano here. Well, that's ridiculous. How much if you just play for 30 minutes? For 30 minutes, it'll cost you $7 an hour. Groucho says, that's outrageous. How about if you just play 15 minutes? $10. And Groucho says, that's absurd. How much if you just don't play at all? And Chico says, oh, you couldn't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> no, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app. And please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Tyler, how many times are you going to flip Bud on this particular episode, Dud Bowl? <laughs> Well, Steven, as much as I love seeing Bud screaming terror, I'm only going to have to flip the poor guy three times. It's, uh, and I, I granted, I know that's probably because I'm not into football. So I, I, you know what? I'll flip him four times out of five for this conversation we had where you gave me a lot of information that I didn't get. Like there's a, there, I did not know a lot of this stuff, and after having a lot of this uh, football knowledge given to me by a fan, uh, it it did make it a little bit more enjoyable. But by watching it, it 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 really goes heavy on the football stuff, and if they're gonna do that, it needs to also have any. It, it just didn't have a lot of meat on it. Uh, I kind of forgot halfway through who Franklin was. I'm like, oh. Yeah, like it, it's not just it. It's not just these big guys. Like Franklin actually hired them, and then they just bring them back in. It's it just doesn't have like a. It, I don't feel like a lot of stuff is escalating here. It seems like it's just a collection of bits, funny bits. I had a lot of fun with the characters. I like how they were used. I loved the uh, <laughs> the way these big, huge men are being used as these football players destroying these out of shape dudes um and i loved all the time in the bar it, it was just a 
I also liked seeing Al in his element. Uh, it was it was cool seeing Al just really into something and passionate about it. I forgot how much I liked to see that on him. So, but yeah, uh, more structure and um, more direction to non-football fans would be my only thing. But besides that, fun episode. Yeah, I think that's a fair criticism, and I, too, would just flip Bug three and a half times. I'm Ooh. also kind of giving that because of a weak ending. Mm. You just expect a little bit more like a punchline. I think this kind of goes back to my big complaint with season eight was that there wasn't a big payoff. Recently reviewed Dial B for Virgin, and what what was good on that one is it had a great payoff at the end. Let's see. We're going to be reviewing Ship Happens further down the road, and that has a good payoff. Uh, we'll, oh, yeah. We'll be looking at... Uh, Get the Dodge out of hell when Steve Rhodes returns. Hopefully we'll get Jerry back on that one, the Married with Children fans. But, you know, this one just did not have that good payoff, and that's why I would give it three and a half, along with your criticisms as well. Oh, I'm glad. I was, like, trying not to be too shitty on it because I'm like, Steven sounds like he had a lot of fun with this too, but just mostly because of Dial B Virgin, like, which reminded me how strong married with children still was at this point with with their writing with their structure how they're able to like tie shit back in that i completely forgot about and all of a sudden they walk in and i'm just like oh of course this is gonna come back nothing comes back in this one like no so that's where it's a a kind of a letdown of course you know you talk about me getting excited about talk about it's fun to talk about even you and i had fun Ripping on that one episode we did earlier in this season, where we gave it two or two stars. I even mm-hmm. forgot what that episode was. What I do remember was having fun talking to you about it. Oh, I remember what it was, and we're not going to bring that up again. <laughs> yeah. that, that We had fun, but I was tipping into the anger area of the fun. Um, listening to it made me laugh. Listening to us getting angry made me laugh. But uh, <laughs> uh, with this one, but through, unlike that one we shall not speak of, this one actually had a lot of good humor. Like I said, that Jackie Onassis and First Ladies joke, that's really funny. That's Simpsons-level yeah. uh, writing funny, which Mary with Children doesn't have to do that level of comedy. But when they do, it's really good well what they had was funny it was just so sparsed out and like you said it just focused too much on the sport and not enough on the character of al and his family because man most of them were awol about that last uh 10 minutes eight to ten minutes or so because yeah they were replaying a game that they actually the game was never played but still you know Oh, see, that's terrible. That's so terrible. Like, have it be a game that he lost spectacularly to and because of some weird technicality and that could never happen again because it was done by school politics. I don't know sports or football, so I'm not even going to try to come up with that, but somebody could. And then have this game look like it's going to be won by him cheating and then Al gets all the players out and then it's just the two of them and Al seems like he's wins but it turns out that technical then later cut to the bar and they're like man it sucks that that technicality way 30 years ago actually came back again who would have thought that he had friends with the NFL and stuff like that that actually 
That's what he got for televising it or some weird shit. That would have been funny and then have Al dance. But that that's just an example of how what what I'm saying. What I just want the viewers to know I I'm being picky for a reason. <laughs> you know, and I agree with you to that a certain extent as well. So I hope you join us next week when I get to team up with Luigi and Chris to discuss a man of no seasons. When Major League Baseball goes on strike, no man organizes their own league, sponsored by the Nudie Bars. And Amanda Bierce returns to the director's chair. So hope to see you then. Baseball, that's going to be... Yeah, we we got all the football out. Get ready for some baseball knowledge, fans. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they asked me to come on because baseball is my favorite sport and they don't know much about it. Oh man, I actually know a lot about baseball. Bit not a not a huge baseball fan myself per se, but growing up with two hardcore Red Sox loving parents and brother, you can't. It's a religion, so I know it by proxy. <laughs> okay, well that's good. Just don't watch Mister Baseball. No, <laughs> uh, no, I, I made sure never to do that. <laughs> okay, well, see you all next week. Bye. Uh-oh.